I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. We're going to take a couple more weeks off of our study of the books of Kings to celebrate Christmas together, and we're going to see pretty quickly that today's message connects closely with what we've been learning so far in the books of Kings. Isaiah 11.1 should be familiar to us by now. It's our hide the word verse for this month, and it's been the focus of our four Advent readings as well. Thank you, Maria, and a couple of your courageous girls for doing the reading today. Well done. Four years ago, I started a new tradition of preaching an Old Testament messianic prophecy every December. And this year, I picked out Isaiah 11, which talks about the Messiah coming as a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A shoot from the stump of of Jesse. That's been the title of all of our Advent readings. It's been in the verse we've been memorizing, and it's really a curious image. A shoot from the stump of Jesse. Let's pray together and then talk about what it meant to Isaiah when he wrote that and what it means for us today. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be with your people and to hear them sing your praises, and especially the praises of you who sent your son Jesus to be that promised king. That you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be that shoot from the stump of Jesse, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you help us to understand this, this amazing chapter of your Bible written 700 plus years before Jesus was ever born? Would you help us to understand it more this morning, we pray, in the name of the shoot of the stump of Jesse, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, let's say our hide the word verse together. This morning, Isaiah 11, 1, Saturday night, we're going to say it without any help, right? We're going to belt it out. On Christmas Eve, we've been memorizing it. Isaiah 11.1, it's up on the board, let's read it together. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Now that is an amazing prophecy. But it starts with some bad news. Jesse is just a stump. Jesse is just... A stump. Now, who was Jesse again? He was the father of David. Okay, yeah, you're with me. Okay. And God made some big promises to King David, didn't he? We call him the Davidic Covenant, 2 Samuel 7. A great kingdom that would never end, and a kingly line that would never end, right? Those are big promises. Well, we've been reading about that line of King David in the books of Kings. How is that kingly line turning out? A lot of thumbs down, right? There's been a few thumbs up along the way. Solomon was at least one thumb up, right? Jehoshaphat, at least one thumb up. But there's been so many thumbs down in the line of David. Well, Isaiah is looking. He's a prophet. And Isaiah is looking into the future. And he sees a day when the great royal dynasty of David has gotten to be cut down like a stump. 
Nothing left. But an apparently dead old stump. The kings of Israel have been cut down to size. Decimated. Sent into exile and brushed off the map. You know that's where the books of kings is going, don't you? Have you ever read to the end of the books of kings? What happens there? By the end of our study of 1st and 2nd Kings, both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah will have been hauled off into exile. The northern kingdom by Assyria and the southern kingdom by Babylon. And that exile, that cutting down of the, of the trees, is what we've, been studying, we've begun studying in our Gospel Project Sunday School classes this last month. These kings all failed. They had just one job. And they didn't do it. They did not lead their nation into covenant faithfulness. And everyone suffered for it. And the promises, though built on the solid root system of God's faithfulness, seem like they're as good as dead. Have you ever felt like God's promises have been cut down and left for dead in your life? That it's very unlikely now that God will come through. I think we've all felt that way, if we're being honest. Sometimes it just seems like God's promises are just a big old dead stump. And Isaiah would agree. They are a stump. The kings have been cut down. But God is still at work. God will keep His promises no matter what. He still has a plan. God will bring a shoot from that stump. Now, I don't know anything about horticulture. I don't know anything about trees. Thankfully, my wife isn't here to correct me during the sermon today. But as I understand it, a very healthy tree can come shooting up out of an old, seemingly dead stump. And not just a new tree that got kind of seeded in there. I used to think that the the little trees that came out of stumps were new trees, a little seed that got kind of stuck in the dirt of the old stump, and then it kind of grew up out of that. And I think that is possible too. But my wife tells me that it is possible for the persistent life of the old tree to come bursting up and reaching towards the sun and make another go at it. That's the picture here that Isaiah is painting. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. You can count on it. When all seems bleak and dead, there's still life there. A new ruler will come from the old promises. You see that? A new ruler will come from the old promises. From Jesse's roots, a branch will bear fruit. You can count on it. That word branch there in chapter 11 verse 1 is a reoccurring title for the Messiah. Branch shows up in Zechariah. Jeremiah and Isaiah as a as a term for the Messiah and emphasizes the strong and growing life of the Messiah he reaches out he's a branch he will come and he will reign amen even when it doesn't seem like it that's the application point number one this morning believe in the coming of the shoot believe In the coming of the shoot. No matter how unlikely it seems, believe in the coming of the shoot of Jesse. You know who that is, right? 
is talking about Jesus, right? Could his coming have been any more unlikely? What an unlikely story the Christmas story is. We've gotten used to it, right? Because we sing about it and we look at it every year. But the, the whole Mary and Joseph thing, the whole Nazareth thing, the whole journey to Bethlehem, no room at the end, born in a stable, the, the shepherds. How unlikely is that to be the origin story of the Son of God, the Messiah? Is there any other place where the Messiah is called a tender shoot? Kind of this unlikely story rising up out of nowhere? How about Isaiah 53, John Lee? That's your favorite, isn't it? What does Isaiah 53, verse 1 and 2 say? Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. It's like a weed. Jesus looked like a weed. What do you do when you see that root, that little thing coming up out of the dry ground? You kind of scratch it out with your foot unless you want some weeds growing there, right? It says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. Jesus looked like a weed. It didn't seem like this could be the one. But in fact, He was. God always keeps His promises. And this is His biggest promise ever. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From His roots, a branch will bear fruit. Count on it. Believe. This is a promise about Christmas. The Messiah will be born. But you know, it's also a promise about the return of Christ. It's a promise of Jesus' first advent and His second advent. Because He's already come. He was born. But His kingdom hasn't come yet in all of its fullness. Has it? No. This is a promise of Jesus' first advent and His second advent. What do we always say every year? Advent means coming. Jesus has come and is coming again. We live on this side of His first coming and we're still waiting for His second coming when He will reign like Isaiah 11 predicts. So what will that reign be like? What kind of a ruler will this shoot from the stump of Jesse be? What will His reign be like? In a word, perfect more than two thumbs up it will be every thumb up from every objective measurement no one has ever been so qualified as this shoot from the stump of jesse look at verse two the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the lord and he will delight in the fear of the lord wow We could just preach a whole message just on that verse alone. The Spirit of Yahweh will rest on this Messiah in a unique way. The Spirit is going to rest on this person. He will have all of the spiritual power that we can imagine and all of the spiritual power that we cannot even imagine. He will be unlike any other ruler that ever existed. Everyone else. We want to look at Jesus' qualifications to be the ruler of the world. He will have the Spirit of Yahweh rest on him. And how does it say it? The Spirit of wisdom and understanding? Oh, yeah. The Spirit of counsel and of power? The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord? 
Ray Ortland, commenting on this passage, writes, quote, Unlike every other human leader in the sorry length of our history, Jesus is literally qualified to rule the world. We have nothing to fear from Him. We are foolish to resist Him. We can never be too loyal to Him. End quote. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? We can never be too loyal to King Jesus. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and the wonders of His love. Do you see how this, delight, how this reveals the heart of Jesus? What, what kind of a heart Jesus is going to have? It says, He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Think about that. What will fill the heart of this Messiah who will come? If you had to say one thing that would be in the heart of Jesus, it says it will be the delight of the fear of the Lord. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of wisdom. And this Messiah's heart will not just have the fear of the Lord, it will have the delight in the fear of the Lord. Have you ever met anyone who delights in the fear of the Lord? Well, this shoot will do it perfectly, and so he will be all wise. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and his heart is so full of wisdom, he will be the wisest person ever. And from that wisdom, he will rule in faultless justice. Look at verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. That means only, or merely by appearances. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The New Testament picks up this language. I wish I had time this morning to unpack how Paul sees this fulfilled in Jesus and in his church. It shows up in the Thessalonian correspondence. It shows up in Ephesians. But the point here is that the reign of King Jesus will be characterized by perfect justice. He will never be fooled. Friends, there is so much injustice in our world today. And I'm sure that I don't know the half of it. I'm sure that my own sense of justice is very off itself. I get it wrong. I hear my kids arguing about something and I step in and you know how many times I make it worse? Jesus will never make it worse. He will never blunder or bungle or mishandle any situation. He will always choose what is right and just and righteous. He'll never be fooled or misguided or duped. He will never be confused, befuddled or confounded. He will never get it wrong. Can you imagine? That's what the kingdom will be like, friends. Justice for the poor. Did you catch that in verse 4? For the poor and the disenfranchised often suffer the most injustice because they don't have the resources to get that justice for themselves. But Jesus will bring it perfectly for them. He will be clothed with faultless justice. Righteousness will be His belt and faithfulness the sash around His waist. Here's the application of point two. Long for the reign of the shoot. Long for the reign of the shoot from the stump of Jesse because it will be utterly perfect. Unlike the world is now. 
Our current world that we live in right now is broken. Things are not the way they should be, including massive injustice. Things are not right. It's right to feel that in your bones and express your lament to grieve over what is going on in Aleppo. To have your heart broken with the families of unarmed black men who have been killed without justice. To have your heart broken with the families of police officers who have been murdered just for doing their jobs. It's good and right to grieve over the brokenness and injustice in our world and to long for the kingdom to come. Just like we learned last year. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's the promise. Righteousness will be His belt. And faithfulness, the sash around His waist. When you look at King Jesus, you will see nothing but perfect justice. It will be more than just simple justice. It will be perfect justice. And it will be peace. Perfect peace. Listen to verse 6. The ladies read it this morning, but listen to it again. Verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, wow. Friends, that hasn't happened yet. The Messiah has come at Christmas, but He hasn't brought this reality yet to pass. Now, I'm not sure if all of this is to be taken literally or not. And I'm not sure if it's describing the millennium or the new heavens and the new earth. What I am sure of is that it means that the kingdom of the Messiah will be characterized by perfect peace. Safety and security everywhere. That's what this is promising. Doesn't it almost scare you when you read that, that the little kid's going to put his hand in the snake's nest? You're like, oh, oh no, don't, don't, go, don't go there, stop. But in actuality, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Go play with the snakes. You imagine saying that to your kid? Hey, kids, I think there's some snakes over there. Go have some fun. That's what it's saying. There is nothing to fear here. No conflict, no battles, no hostilities, no war. Everything has changed. Even apparently the laws of nature. Peace will be everywhere with nothing to fear. Let me say that again. Peace will be everywhere with nothing to fear. Isaiah 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the increase is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that peace will be perfect. Doesn't that sound good? It's right and good to long for that. To long for the rain of the shoot from the stump of Jesse. 
What did the angels say to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth, what? Peace to men on whom His favor rests. Friends, I say to you, there is coming a day when there will be nothing out there to harm you. Nothing out there to harm you. Our family has been fighting all kinds of fallenness and harm this last month. Viruses, pneumonia, mononucleosis, bacterial infections, and to top it off, at least I hope this is the topper, appendicitis. There's been plenty trying to harm and destroy us, and not just us. I know we're not going through things that other people aren't. But there is coming a day when, verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Why? What's it say? Why? For the earth will be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. Friends, what a day that'll be. No more insecurity, no more danger, no more evil. Creation restored and the curse reversed. Verse 3 of Joy to the World, the one Cody skipped. No more. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow. Where? Far as the curse is found. How far is the curse right now? Everywhere you look, right? It's not everything you see, but everything you see is touched by the curse. Right now the curse is found somewhere, wherever you look. But when the Messiah comes again, they will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How much do the waters cover the sea? Ever seen any part of the sea where the waters don't cover it? I mean, he's saying it'll be total, total world peace and perfect justice. Here's the application point, number three. It's how we haste the day for this to come. We share the truth of the shoot. We share the truth of the shoot. Our job is to spread that knowledge of the Lord that we already have today. Right now, the knowledge of the Lord doesn't cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. It's our job to get the word out. And we can do this with confidence knowing that God is going to bring the nations to Jesus. Look at verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. Now, I want to spend time on that phrase, root of Jesse. Because I thought he was the shoot of Jesse. Wait, wait, what's going on there? But I'm not going to go there right now. Come on Christmas Eve and hear me talk about that then. What I'm going to say now is that this passage teaches that you and I are going to come to Jesus. Because it's about the Gentiles, isn't it? In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations, Gentiles, will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. The nations. Not just the Israelites, but the nations. The Apostle Paul quoted this verse in Romans chapter 15, verse 12. When he was making his point, again, because he likes to make this point, that God has a plan not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. You remember all that from Romans? Tell me yes or I'm going to preach Romans again. 
It was just last January, actually, that we were in this verse together, Romans 15. Here's how he says it, Romans 15, 8 through 13. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles, unless you're a full-blooded Jew this morning, that's you, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy. Do you glorify God for His mercy? It's because of what was going on right here. As it is written, quote, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name, end quote. Again it says, quote, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people, end quote. And again, quote, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to Him, all you peoples, end quote. And here's what Paul says. And again Isaiah says, quote, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in Him. Next verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? We memorized that verse a year ago. Here's the point. We can share the truth of the shoot confidently knowing full well that God is going to use our sharing to bring the nations to trust in Jesus. I love it that our church family adopted two new missionary families last Sunday. Right? We believe in this worldwide mission of getting the Word out, especially to the nations. Who do you need to tell? Who have you recently told about the Messiah who has come? Who has come? And is coming again. Here's how certain this is. The rest of this passage promises the return, not just of the Gentiles to the Messiah, but the return of Israel to her Messiah. Look at verse 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out His hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of His people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Now friends, this is what we saw back in Romans 11. There is a future for ethnic Israel. God is going to call His covenant people back to Him to reclaim the remnant. And He's going to undo the split that came with Rehoboam. You see all this ties in with what we were studying in Kings. He's going to untear the torn kingdom. He's going to meld it back together. Look at verse 13. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish. Ephraim's the northern kingdom. And Judah's enemies will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile towards Ephraim. They'll be together. They'll swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will lay hands on Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea with a scorching wind. He'll sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. They will break it, he will break it up into seven streams so that men can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. Now again, I'm not sure how much of this to take literally. I lean towards reading this as an evocative word picture drawn from the map of the day to say that God will certainly rescue His people once again in a new and greater exodus that will cover the whole map. And the map of the earth is now even greater. Not just from Egypt to Israel, but from one corner to every corner of the whole world. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. 
God will fix everything so that things are the way they're supposed to be. God will save a people out of the Gentiles, you and me, and God will reclaim the remnant of Israel. What did we learn? I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, for the Jew first and then for the Gentiles. The whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It'll happen. As Isaiah 9 predicts, the Messiah will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Friends, that's the truth of the shoot. And it's our job to share it. It's a sure thing. It's a done deal. It's more certain than that the sun will rise tomorrow. How sure are you the sun will rise tomorrow? This is more certain than that. And it was written 700 years before Jesus was ever born. It may not seem like a sure thing, but it is. It may seem like God's promises are just a dead old stump, but out of those promises will infallibly, irresistibly, persistently rise the shoot of Jesse. And he will not stay tender and small forever. He's not just the twig. He's not just the weed that might get scuffed out. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him and His kingdom will be perfect and justice and peace forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's tell some folks this week. Because people need to know. This is too good to keep to ourselves. Jesus has come and is coming again.